Hello, and welcome to the Middle East For Forums webinar series and podcast. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be moderating this discussion today. Very pleased to have Jacques Naraya, a Middle East analyst at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, join us to discuss Lebanon and crisis, no end in sight. Dr. Naraya will speak for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn the discussion over to Dr. Jacques Naraya. Well, thank you for having me, <clears throat> especially the, on these uh, the, the, this uh, troublesome week we had uh, uh, with the terrorist attacks uh, uh, in Israel. Anyway, we are talking about Lebanon, and Lebanon has, uh, in fact, we are speaking about a, a failed state. Everybody agrees that uh, to, to that assumption, even the Lebanese themselves, I mean, because the economic plight and the economic disaster that Lebanon is undergoing right now has left uh, really deep scars in, the, in Lebanon and has disintegrated the state as a state that, that cannot provide any more uh, services for its citizens. Situation is such uh, the, is such that today the national reserves in the Bank of Lebanon are barely eleven and a half billion dollars, compared, for example, with two hundred and twenty billion dollars in Israel. So the the fact is that Lebanon uh, suffers today of a huge um, um, uh, percentage of poverty. We're talking about uh, almost three million Lebanese living under the line of poverty, and twenty three percent of them in the extreme poverty which means that they, they can barely uh, uh, live if they are not uh, helped by, or assisted by outside help. And uh, this is where the, uh, the Lebanese diaspora, 15 million Lebanese are active in sending money to their relatives in Lebanon, otherwise Lebanon would not have existed anyway. One of the uh, one of the symptoms of this uh, situation. I'm not talking about the electricity, which you, you have barely six hours a day. About wells that do not function. About the shortage of water supply, garbage and rivers of garbage in the street. I'm talking about the fact that situation is such <clears throat> that in the north, for instance. Young Lebanese from the Tripoli area and Akkar area have joined Daesh They're because there they're, they receive $150 per month, and this is this is a way to survive. So this is really something that is is weighing very heavy on uh, on Lebanon, and I think that right now right now we don't see any we don't see any 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 possible venue that could help Lebanon get out of this economic quagmire. But in the midst of it, of course, this, this economic situation was created by whom? By Hezbollah, uh, basically, because uh, in 2012, Hezbollah just uh, was asked by, instructed by Iran to go and fight in Syria and where he clashed with Saudi Arabia. Clashing with Saudi Arabia meant that the, Saudi, uh, the Saudis began drawing their money from the, the, the Lebanese banks and the, the, the slide was very slow. And finally, it hit. It hit in 2019, October 2019, when the government decided to uh, to to raise taxes on the WhatsApp communications. So, and from then on, you know, the the the, the road is uh, is very clear. The Ponzi scheme that was built, uh, that the economy, Lebanese economy, was built upon, was just disintegrated. And uh, today, Lebanon is faces the the, the worst economic crisis that. Uh, uh, this uh, this country has suffered since 150 years. In the midst of it, we have we are we have of course a, a political 
the political uh, uh, outcome and wh what will happen to, in Lebanon in the next few months. We have two main uh, dates, the two main events. One is the elections uh, to the parliament, the, the, the legislative uh, elections in May, and of course in October, the, uh, the presidential elections. Right now, according to what, uh, what I can see, what I can analyze from situation, there could be a situation where Hezbollah would not gain the same seats uh, at, as he had in the past, which means that it, uh, because being criticized by, by uh, the, the, the public and so on, Hezbollah has, uh, is, is suffering setbacks. And if this happens, I believe that Hezbollah will, will paralyze the system, will paralyze the legislative the, uh, body, by, and we would face more or less what we are facing today in Iraq. That Iran would, uh, was not happy with the uh, with the results of the elections, and so uh, and and since October last year, there's no uh, there's no, no no president in Iraq. I think that the, the same would uh, would be in Lebanon. As for uh, the Lebanese uh, the the presidential elections, well, <laughs> if uh, you don't have uh, if you don't have a, a parliament, uh, and uh, if uh, the, uh, uh, the, the 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 presidential uh, uh, period is not extended, which is not possible uh, if you don't have two thirds of the, of the parliament voting for it. And uh, what would you the, give uh, the Michelin? He's 89 years old today, 89 years, and you would extend for three years. Like, I mean, uh, it was with Elias Harawi, like with Emil Lahoud at 92. I think that this would be very, very odd and original to find a, a, a Lebanese president of this age. Right now, there are more or less four contenders for presidency. One is Sleiman Frangie, a Maronite from the north, uh, who hates uh, the, the Maronites from, the, uh, from Kesruan, and he is a close ally of Syria and Hezbollah. His chances to be elected are very, are very slim. Second one is Gibran, <coughs> Gibran Basile, the, the president's son-in-law. He, uh, he is sanctioned by the U United States, and I think that he is hated by the, by, by the Lebanese public because of his corruption. So I think that this is also a candidate that has no chance to be elected. Third is uh, uh, Samir Jaja, the, the leader of Lebanese forces, because of his uh, background, Israeli background, I think that his chances to be elected are also very, very slim, if not inexistent. The one who seems to be uh, the, the, uh, with the most chances would be Joseph Aoun, the head, the, 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 the chief of the army, and it would be, it would be in fact the, the, the fourth uh, uh, army officers to take office as president of Lebanon. He is well connected in the United States. He's backed by the United States, by France, and he is he has good relations with Hezbollah. Maybe this would be the 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 the, the candidate of compromise. So this is what what I feel on the presidency. Even even though I believe that we must might face a paralysis situation like we did in the past, where two three years you don't have a president, and uh, and the whole system is paralyzed and doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't mean that Lebanon would not survive, but it means that the, the, the government, the institutions are there. And this is something that uh, this country has been living for a long time. In my view, are we heading? We are heading uh, definitely in, in a situation, if we have a deadlock concerning the legislation, concerning the presidency, we are heading into a sort of civil, civil war, cold civil, civil war, not open one. 
and uh, that uh, definitely would uh, character, be characterized like the Tayuni uh, incidents in October, where you know the, the sort of uh, sort of uh, uh, places where the the, the the dominant or the majority would be the one that uh, would rule either the suburbs, either the cities, either the the, the places. So this is this is one possibility, and at, at, as an offshot of it would be, I mean, that Hezbollah might be tempted to take over some some of the institutions, like he did in 2008. If Hezbollah takes over, then you know, the, the, and the, uh, and Nasrallah has threatened that he has 100,000 uh, uh, combatants that can do that uh, that job for him in less than three days. Think that the the whole uh, the whole area of Beirut would be conquered by by Hezbollah. It doesn't mean that Hezbollah would rule Lebanon. I think that this would be the beginning of its destruction, because the ruling Lebanon, when you have every in every house you have a weapon, every how you have a rifle or a, or a pistol. I think that this is the, this is quite a different story. Anyway, the the the, the, the idea of Hezbollah was of course to take control through the uh, legal means the, and uh, through the legal system. And uh, according to what uh, Nasrallah has said in the past that he, the, his aim, his vision is to transform Lebanon into part of the Islamic Republic uh, under the Bilal Paki from, uh, from Tehran. So the, this is really uh, one, one possibility that we have, we have taken into account. And the, the the second one is that uh, the, in in this uh, in in this uh, uh, perspective, I, I believe that there would be a sort of a, a further cantonization of the uh, of Lebanon, a, a sort of partition, a comeback to the Lebanon of 1920 before the, the before the French committed the big error of adding to the Mount Lebanon, to adding the the Bekaa Valley, adding the Tripoli area, adding the the Beirut and the uh, Sidon and entire area. So the, this would be def definitely a, a, a development that we are, we are witnessing today. And uh, we have seen that during the, 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 the civil war of 1975 to 1990, this could be a continuation. If Lebanon uh, continues at, uh, to, uh, uh, to fall into this uh, economic maras, I think that there will be no choice because the famine, famine is here. I mean, they have, uh, Lebanon today has wheat for 20 days. This is what, these are the reserve of Lebanon. So what, uh, they don't have uh, foreign, uh, foreign assets to, uh, to buy with. So they will ask the US, the France and the, the world to, to, to help them uh, to survive. And if this is the case that Lebanon cannot survive as a state, maybe maybe the solution would be a sort of Kosovo uh, a solution where, where an international body would rule, not rule Lebanon, of course, but uh, be a, a sort of advisory committee, advisory board that would try to do the reforms that the Lebanese themselves are not able to do today. And I think that this is the, this is the main idea behind behind what's happening today. This has been the, uh, uh, expressed by uh, by some Lebanese, and I think that this is a possibility that we cannot uh, we cannot uh, eliminate uh, uh, at all as a possibility. So basically, as I uh, the, to to sum up, I think that the the situation in Lebanon is. Uh,
the, we, we are facing a, a sort of deadlock. We are facing a, a dead end, and there's no way that there's no way that you can escape from it. The elections are here, and, uh, and certainly there'll be a paralysis, the paralysis of government, the paralysis in the presidential elections, and we are falling into a vacuum, and this vacuum has to be filled. It could be filled by Hezbollah, but if Hezbollah fills the vacuum, then he has big, big problems in ruling Lebanon. This is, uh, this is my presentation. I'm open for, uh, for, for uh, questions. All right, thank you so much. That was a lot of information, so fast. Um, so Carrie Hillebrand asks, considering the near total collapse of the public health care system, what is the present impact of COVID on the Lebanese sectors? Is any vaccination program going on? Well, most of the, the, the vaccines that are being uh, the given in Lebanon are uh, uh, being provided by uh, outside uh, countries. Uh, COVID, uh, as uh, it, it appears, I mean, the, in Lebanon, it's very... Uh, the, you cannot explain it. It's less. Uh, its impact is less there than in Israel, for instance. We we have fifteen fifteen thousand people who are uh, who are uh, uh, confined every day because of the of the COVID. In Lebanon, you have maybe a hundred or two hundred. I don't think that this is the case. What is important in Lebanon is that because of the economic situation. 40% of all nurses have emigrated to the to the Gulf area. 30% of the of the doctors, physicians have left Lebanon, and the, and the the outflux of uh, of uh, academics, of people who with professions, lawyers, and all that. If, if you go to, to, to Paris today, I mean, I was there the, 10 days ago, the, the whole street speaks Arabic, Lebanese Arabic. That they just left Lebanon. All the rich are right now positioned in Cyprus because it's near, it's near Lebanon. They, have, they, they still have some assets there. And I think that the, the, uh, the, the, the hospitals, the, the, the hospitals that are not under Hezbollah have, uh, are suffering a lack of medicines. Of, uh, uh, and uh, of, of physicians, whereas the uh, Hezbollah uh, 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 health system, which is based on, uh, uh, on Iranian assistance, receives from Iran and from Syria, uh, uh, you know, the, all sorts of, uh, of medicines that you cannot, uh, you cannot have in Lebanon. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the things that the Lebanese do when they come back from, the, uh, from a trip abroad is with the suitcases full of, uh, of uh, medicine. This is, this is something that is very, very important in Lebanon. And people are suffering, you know, dialysis, it doesn't exist anymore. All sorts of uh, uh, severe treatments for cancer, you know, the people just die because of that. And if you don't have money and you don't, uh, you don't leave the country, then your chances to survive in Lebanon are very slim. So you just mentioned uh, Iranian assistance. Uh, if the U.S.-Iran deal uh, provides Iran with a lot of significant funds, how would that affect Hezbollah and Lebanon? Ask well, uh, th this this definitely would give Hezbollah more uh, uh, more means to recruit people, to recruit an audience. Now we you know that they have hospitals, they have schools, they have banks, they have supermarkets. They have pharmacies. About the pharmacies, there was, since last year, there's a rush that characterizes Hezbollah by buying pharmacies who are went bankrupt. So they are creating a system where the Lebanese will have no chance but to work through Hezbollah. And today, the 
price is sending in the, in the, in the millions. We're talking about uh, 250 millions a day that, and even more. I'm not talking about other monies that uh, Hezbollah is receiving from West Africa and from South America, but basically the, the, this money comes from, from Iran and serves to, to build the military might of Hezbollah. Thank you. On the flip side of that, Stephen Orlo asks, there have been some recent statements attributed to Nasrallah that seem to indicate a certain independence from Iran. To what extent would Hezbollah be willing to risk again going to war with Israel at the bidding of Iran? Let us be no, the, the, no doubt on that. Hezbollah is an Iranian production. It's a Lebanese, uh, it's a Lebanese talking Arabic Iranian organization has been founded by Iranians. It has been instructed by Iranians. And you know, the uh, Hezbollah would not do anything without, uh, without Iranian uh, acquiescence. We saw in the 2006 war that Qasem Soleimani was sitting near, uh, near Nasrallah and uh, Imad Mournier and giving the instruction how to, how to fight. So the, I think that uh, the, the sort of independence Hezbollah has is only theoretical. In fact, I mean, everything is done and decided upon by Tehran. Understood. Uh, JL asks, is there any way internally or externally to break the stranglehold that Hezbollah has on uh, Lebanon? Could the Lebanese army stand up to Hezbollah? Well, if the Lebanese army stands to Hezbollah in less than two days, there'll be no Lebanese army. So the, you know, <laughs> Hezbollah has more manpower than the Lebanese army. The Lebanese army main fighting force is a few, a few brigades where most of the, uh, most of the manpower of Hezbollah is not in the logistics, but in, in the fighting, uh, in the fighting units. Hezbollah has proven in 2008 and three days he took over Beirut. So I mean, and if there's a conflict between Hezbollah and uh, the Lebanese army, the Lebanese army, which is founded on uh, brigades on uh, on confessional brigades, the Christian brigades and Muslim brigades and Sunni brigades and Shiite brigades, it will disintegrate like it it, it, it disintegrated in 1975 during the civil war. Thank you. Uh, so, what David Levine asked, what would or sorry, Eric first, uh, could Hezbollah attack Israel to distract their citizens from their hardships? Well, you know, uh, I think that Hezbollah has more, uh, understand very well the situation. And I think that uh, before attacking Israel, it has to, uh, to secure its, uh, the, its, its, its own front. We saw Hezbollah asking uh, and calling for, uh, for uh, recruits and for uh, uh, combatants that were in Syria in order to protect the, uh, the, uh, the sort of what they call Murabba Amni, which is the uh, area in the Dakhya, the south of Beirut, where, are the, the, where Hezbollah is headquartered. Hezbollah is very much uh, uh, afraid that it's not him to, to, uh, that would initiate, but Israel would try to use the situation in Lebanon to its own profit and attack. And this is, uh, this is the, main, uh, the, the main apprehension that uh, Hezbollah has. And then if Hezbollah is not, uh, is not secure in its, own, uh, in its own field, feeling that the, the Lebanese are not behind it, 
It's not like in 2006, where he was hailed, Hezbollah was hailed as a hero, not only local hero, but a, an Arab hero. Hezbollah today is under attack, is under attack, and uh, there's, no, there's no reason for Hezbollah, and I mean, the uh, reason maybe, but the, the, I think that the timing is not, is not ripe today for Hezbollah to wage uh, an attack on Israel. I think that Israel is preparing quite, a, quite some surprises for Hezbollah if he does that. So Hugh Courtley asks an uh, interesting follow-up question to that. Is Hezbollah more or less dangerous to Israel in the failed state conditions? Uh, Hezbollah has to, uh, in, a, in a failed state situation, Hezbollah has to take care of two, uh, of two fronts, the domestic front in Lebanon and the front with Israel. What is the, the, the priority? In my view, it's the Lebanese, the Lebanese front because the Lebanese front would give, if, if Lebanon falls into the abyss, then Hezbollah is the one that would, would take profit of the situation and install what, what was in Hezbollah's vision, the Islamic Republic of Lebanon, part of the Islamic Republic of Iran under the Vilayat Fakir. This is what Hezbollah ideology talks about. So, the, and the second, once you, once you have Lebanon, then you have also the Lebanese army. You have all the, the means of a state. It is a different situation between the Hezbollah as uh, the, the controller of Lebanon uh, uh, if compared to what it is today. Thank you. David Levine asks, what would your advice be to the Israeli government regarding trying to manage the current chaos and future problems which will emerge in Lebanon? Well, you know, we had uh, the, our, our, the defense minister said a few months ago that uh, he had uh, proposed to the Lebanese army some assistance four times and he was refused. I think that uh, we have nothing to do in Lebanon. We have just to, to monitor the situation and see that uh, nothing uh, develops uh, against Israel and uh, be very much aware of the, the fact that uh, where, uh, where uh, Hezbollah keeps its uh, uh, strategic missiles, those missiles with the precision uh, guided missiles and uh, take care of them as soon as possible and whenever uh, possible. I think that uh, this is what we have to do right now. Thank you. Stephen Orlo asks, is there a real realistic chance for a maritime border being established between Israel and Lebanon with the negotiations underway? What is Hezbollah's view of these negotiations? In, in theory, yes, there is a possibility. Hochstein has been working on that. Uh, the Lebanese has presented first uh, a first position and then they have changed their positions. And uh, the, the claim is on uh, 860 square kilometers between us and, and Lebanon. The fact that Hezbollah is against it is uh, because that recognizing the maritime border would be in a, in a way recognizing Israel. And this is not mm. in the Hezbollah agenda. Sorry, I was supposed to be muted for that. Uh, so which you, you mentioned that another country might have to step in as an advisory position uh, for Lebanon if, if that were the case. Uh, so what countries do you think would be willing to fulfill that role? I, I think that this would be a job to be uh, given by the Security Council. 
I mean, like in Kosovo, you have to decide who would be the, the leader. And I said it's an advisory committee that, that has to do with the changes of the, the government, the reforms, and stop that uh, sort of, uh, you know, the division between uh, Shiite and Sunni and Maronite, and inside the Maronite, the Orthodox and the Armenian and so on and so on. This has to stop. The Lebanese themselves feel that this is the, the time is ripe for change, and this is what they chanted in the in the protests in October 2019, hoping to see the system changing. But the old guard, the politicians who are sitting on the uh, on on their corrupted uh, seats and uh, and enjoying the the coffers of the of the state and stealing the state. This is what they the, the, are not interested in. That can you imagine that by by the time. The, 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 bank, the, the Bank of Lebanon uh, said that there was no money to be transferred abroad. This was a regulation. And by the moment, the, the, and three months later, they realized that $6 billion had been transferred by the Lebanese bank to outside accounts. Now, the, a, a leader, the Druze leader, Walid Jumlad himself said that he had transferred more than $500 million. For God's sake, where comes this money from? So I mean, a Druze leader in 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 the in, in Mount Lebanon, so I'm not talking about uh, Riyad Salami, who had uh, dozens of apartments in Paris, in uh, in Spain, and other places, who is now under scrutiny and by 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 the Lebanese themselves. So we, this is a very dire situation, really. So in a perfect world, what would the next elected president have to do to to correct these situations? Well, the, the, in, in the next world, maybe, you know, the, this old formula uh, that uh, uh, has survived 1943 and then has been changed in 1920 doesn't fit for today. It's, it, it doesn't fit. I mean, the, the, you know, the saying that the president must be a Maronite, the prime minister must be a Sunni, the, the, the parliament speaker must, must be a, a Shiite, the, uh, the assistant to the, uh, the parliament speaker must be a, an Orthodox and so on and so on and so on. This has to stop. They, they have to decide, the, the Lebanon as a state has to decide upon the qualities and the capacities of each and not because of its religion. Because of the religion, this will never happen. The wars of religion always are seeking ways to revive the, 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 the feelings and to just to, to, to push the people to more blood and more blood. The, this, is not the, the, this is not the solution. The solution is a radical change in Lebanon. A radical change can be done only by an outside force, not by inside forces. Thank you. Uh, Carrie Hillebrand asks, are there any signs of splintering or potential of splintering within Hezbollah? Hezbollah? No, Hezbollah had, uh, has suffered uh, some times ago uh, some uh, intelligence leaks and uh, the, to the surprise of, uh, of Nasrallah. And uh, because of that, there was uh, the, the, there was uh, many there were many changes in the leadership of the intelligence apparatus. But otherwise, the leadership is united behind him. And you know, the Qasim is the, the one that should uh, succeed uh, Nasrallah. But I don't think that this right now is going to happen. You know, he survived COVID and, you know, the, he is still very young. And, you know, if you compare it to the to president of Lebanon, there are 40 years that, uh, that are between the two. 
Thank you. Sorry, going back a little bit, uh, an anonymous attendee asked, would France be a good outside force to reorganize Lebanon? Well, as I said, it would it should be an international uh, international body, not not force, international body that would advise Lebanon what to do, how to do. You want to get uh, to get funds. You want to be uh, funded by outside the, the outside world, the the World Bank, the the WHO, and all all the international organizations. Okay, you have to present a program. You have to present such and such things. I mean, we, we have to do it in in, in an orderly way. Otherwise, you know, the monies, you know, the monies were sent to Lebanon after the explosion in Beirut in order to renovate and to build, to, to build the, the third of the capital that was destroyed, where the money has disappeared. Where has it disappeared? In the, in the pockets of the politicians. So really, the, it has to be uh, really controlled by, uh, by a, a, a body that has the power also to give that money. Understood. Uh, Robert Larrick asks, what do you think of the Negev conference uh, calling for better relations, including with Iran, as part of an expanded Abrahamic brotherhood to leave our countries and children a better future than this mess? Well, you know, the, I, must, I must agree that uh, the, the Negev uh, summit is an outstanding event. But having uh, been uh, in 1990s, part of the Rabin uh, administration and uh, being part of the Oslo Agreement, I remember very well that we had an embassy in Mauritania, an embassy in Morocco, an embassy in Tunisia, an embassy in Qatar. And I think that, I mean, uh, the, the, this, this is really a debut. It's a, it's a beginning. And I think that uh, uh, personally, the, we should pursue this, uh, the, 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 this, uh, this way. And I don't believe that, uh, uh, the, according to a question that we are talking about, the better relations with Iran, it, it, this summit has been, has been uh, uh, I would say, has, has been created in order to, uh, to prevent the, the, the Iranian threat. The, the Egyptians, the, 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 the uh, Emiratis and the, the Bahrainis and Israel, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about the Jordanians and other, Everyone, every each of, of those factors is threatened by Iran. We know Bahrain in 2016 almost uh, almost an upheaval and uh, and the plot against the, the the kingdom in the Emiratis. Every week or the other week, there's a cell that has been discovered in Saudi Arabia. The same. So this is a common threat that unites those people. It's not. It's uh, they're not looking right now to do business with Iran. Far from that. On the contrary, how to stop Iran? How to to uh, the the idea is to create a military, a security, uh, a security umbrella that would cover all those countries together in order to provide an early warning against the Iranian missiles if they are shot at those uh, countries. Thank you so much. Uh, that last question summed it all up pretty nicely. Uh, but for our viewers, could you please let us know where we could find some more of your work? Well, uh, at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, uh, if you if you type my name, Jacques Neria, you'll see all the uh, articles I have written in the last uh, 12 years, more than 150 articles concerning the Middle East, Lebanon, uh, Egypt, Sudan, and North Africa. All right, well, thank you so much. We've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again, Dr. Neria, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our viewers, please be on the lookout for our weekly webinar offerings email coming out over the weekend. 
Thank you all for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks again. Bye -bye.